0: Good morning, everyone. And welcome to Julius Bear's Moving Markets podcast. It's Friday, the 12th of May, and my name is Helen Freer. Coming up on today's show, I'll be talking about the latest market news with my colleague, Lucia Chachulovich. We also have Tim Gagey with us this morning, so I'll be getting his latest thoughts on currencies. And then I'll be catching up with one of our equity strategists, Leonardo Pellandini, about the Q1 earnings season. But first up is Lucia. Good morning, Lucia. Hi, Helen. Let's start with the topic of US regional banks. I know we've been talking about this a lot in the last few weeks, but they're still making the headlines. So what's the latest there? You're right,
1: Helen. Investor concerns about regional banks have flared up again. PacWest Bank Corp, the latest troubled bank in focus, said in a regulatory filing yesterday that deposits fell nine point five percent in the previous week. The company's shares fell twenty two percent yesterday, but the bank said it had access to
0: fifteen billion US dollars in immediate liquidity if needed. So market sentiment seems to still be a bit fragile. Investors are worried, I guess, about the stability of the banking industry and also the U.S. debt ceiling debate. Is there any news about this, the debt ceiling issue? Well, President Joe Biden and House Speaker Kevin
1: McCarthy postponed their meeting on the debt ceiling for today. But the
0: reason is actually a good one. The delay signals that staff level talks have made progress. Okay, let's move on to central banks now. The Bank of England raised its benchmark lending rate yesterday to the highest level since 2008. And it said that further increases may be needed. Can you give us some more details here?
1: Sure. The Bank of England did as the market expected and raised the UK's base interest rate by a quarter of a percent to 4.5 percent. And in fact, only two members of the nine-person committee voted against the hike. So the good news here is that the Bank of England no longer sees the UK entering a recession in 2024. The less good news is that the Governor Andrew Bailey announced after the hike that inflation remains very high. He does, however, believe that food inflation will slow now. But if the UK sees more persistent price pressures, he warned that further tightening will be required. So the door on further rate hikes is
0: not closed yet. Okay, and I've seen a lot of tech stocks in the headlines as well, including Microsoft freezing staff salaries to fund the company's move into artificial intelligence. But there's also big news from Twitter and Alphabet, isn't there?
1: Yes, very big news for Twitter, for sure. Elon Musk said he will step down from the top job at Twitter and become the company's executive chairman and chief technology officer. He said a new CEO, who he didn't name but hinted is a woman, will start already in about six weeks. As you probably know, Musk has often been criticized by Tesla investors in the past for spending too much time on Twitter. So I think they will be pleased with this news. And then Alphabet shares traded at their highest level since last August, as analysts seemed very pleased with the company's progress in artificial intelligence, which should keep it at the forefront
0: of the AI race. Okay, very interesting. Thanks, Litzia. And how did equity markets do overall yesterday? So both the European and U.S. stock
1: markets ended the day very mixed and close to the zero line. The focus yesterday was certainly on the U.S. data, which included U.S. initial jobless claims that reached the highest level since October 2021, and producer prices, which rose 0.2% in April. Futures for the two regions are looking somewhat brighter this morning, though. And what about overnight in Asia? So Hong Kong listed technology stocks rose more than 1% and Japanese blue chips also traded higher. Mainland Chinese stocks were mixed, while South Korean shares were slightly lower. And just to add a bit of color here, the rise in tech stocks in the Hang Seng Index was helped by gains in JD.com, which said its finance chief would take over as chief executive officer. Shares in the e-commerce giant rose 7%. This also followed yesterday's best session in three months for US-listed Chinese stocks, which came on the back of positive reports on US-China relations. What about commodities? Can you give us the main news there? I've seen copper making the headlines. So both oil and gold are trading slightly lower this morning. But as you rightly said, Copper is the one making the big headlines. The price of the metal fell to its lowest level since January on the back of data pointing to economic weakness in China. So China reported that consumer inflation dropped close to zero in April, while producer prices fell further into deflation. Credit and loans fell in April from the previous month and missed economists' forecasts.
0: Great. Thanks, Lucia. And let's finish off by just talking about the day ahead. So what data should we be looking out for today?
1: We've already received data out of the UK, which showed both industrial and manufacturing production coming in higher than expected. Preliminary Q1 GDP data came in at 0.2% year-on-year, private consumption was somewhat lower, and government spending actually declined while an increase was expected. Other than that, investors will likely focus on the preliminary University of Michigan sentiment data
0: for May. Great. Thank you very much, Lucia, for the comprehensive roundup. Now, Tim, great to have you on the show this morning as well. Good morning, first of all.
2: Good morning, Helen. Thank you.
0: Now, let's talk about currencies. So last week we had lots of central bank meetings and data round, but this week was expected to be a bit quieter.
2: Was that the case? For once, actually, it was not so quiet. Yesterday, the market really woke up a bit and we had a particularly busy day. It felt to me like maybe the market was waiting to get the Bank of England out of the way before really absorbing what needed to be absorbed from the last round of central banks and so forth. And yesterday afternoon, we saw a nice bounce in the dollar, a bit of a pullback in the pound, and most notably, a really sharp move lower in silver, which dropped about 5% from high to low.
0: So what about the Bank of England then? I talked about this briefly with here as well. What are your thoughts there?
2: So... The market,
0: I think, had already
2: started to reprice the Bank of England, what they're going to do next. And rightly so. I mentioned last week, or at least I think I did, the ridiculously pessimistic nature of the Bank of England forecasts on the economy. They have long seemed to actively wish the economy to do badly. And inevitably, they always have to revise everything higher when the sky doesn't actually fall in. As a result, the market often tends to lag behind a bit. That being said, The pound had a really super run this week against both the dollar and the euro, and a bit of sell the fact action seemed likely post Bank of England. Sure enough, this is what we saw. Euro sterling is back up to 87.25, although in fairness, it is below the 200 day moving average, which for the chartists among you... Is quite interesting. Could mean we might try to move lower if we close the day below that level. Nonetheless, I think above 126 in sterling against dollar and below 87 in euro sterling, I think I'll take a bit of profit on sterling longs, although I would absolutely not want to be short.
0: And have the latest moves changed your views on the US dollar?
3: Not really.
2: I would still prefer to sell dollars on these rallies. If we see euro dollar down to 108.50, for example, I think that's a good initial level. Otherwise, look at reverse convertibles, accumulators, tafts for dollar cash, uh, or look at forwards, of course, for hedging, especially if you do manage to get in with a spot below 109. We also still really like the Australian dollar here. Uh, where we are right now, which is 0.67 against the US dollar, is an excellent level in our view to be long as an alternative to simply moving dollars into euros or sterling. You mentioned silver earlier. Now, that's a big move. So what's going on there? Yeah, huge. Uh, Pretty, uh, pretty violent. Silver is basically turbocharged gold and you get a lot more volatility. One thing I've mentioned before is the ratio of gold to silver. When that is falling, It means silver is outperforming gold, and it generally indicates a bullish market for metals generally. However, yesterday, with this massive sell-off in silver, the ratio moved about 3-3.5% in favour of gold, which logically, therefore, is not a bullish sign for metals generally. So far, gold and platinum are kind of holding up, but it all looks a little bit shaky and vulnerable. And I think if silver continues to tank, then gold could at some point throw in the towel. I've more been on the side of taking profits in gold anyway for a while above 2000, and although I would not want to be short any metal, I think gold, as I said, looks a bit vulnerable, and we might even see a quick move to 1975, and if silver continues to drop, then the whole thing could uh, perhaps topple over. So I think today I would be on the lookout for any further dollar strength as an opportunity to sell into a bigger rally, especially against euros and sterling, of course, but also the Aussie dollar on the metal side. I would tread very carefully and make sure not to leave too many gains on the table. Gold is still very elevated, relatively speaking. With that, I thank you all for listening. Helen, thank you as always for the talk, and I wish everyone an excellent weekend.
0: Thank you very much, Tim. Great to get your thoughts this morning. And last but not least, Leonardo, you have an update on the Q1 earnings season for us. So how have companies done so far? Let's talk about the US, first of all.
3: Yes, good morning, Helen. Well, uh, in the US, the S&P 500 is reporting a year-over-year decline in earnings of 2.2%. And this is nevertheless better than expected as estimates were beaten by 7% on aggregate. So despite the overall earnings decline for the index, five sectors are actually reporting year-over-year earnings growth. And this is led by the consumer cyclicals. Uh, Other sectors include industrials, oil and gas, financials, and real estate. Um, What is interesting is that just one company in the consumer cyclical sector accounts for more than 70% of the net year-over-year increase in earnings, and that is Amazon. So if this company were excluded, the blended earnings growth rate for the sector would fall uh, to 10.9% from 47%. And it's also interesting to note that Amazon is also the largest contributor to earnings growth for the entire S&P 500 for Q1.
0: Okay, so quite a positive surprise then, with estimates beaten by 7% overall. Um, What was the reaction on equity markets?
3: Well, what we have witnessed historically is that companies usually have a stronger price reaction when beating earnings estimates, as the five-year average is at 1% price reaction versus actually a minus 0.1% today. Um, And this also makes the case that the sell side might have revised negatively earnings uh, too aggressively, and the market already expected a better outcome than what consensus was saying. Um, This may also stand for why companies that miss on earnings were were punished more than usual in terms of falling prices, as Q1 has an average of minus 3.9% versus a minus 2.2% of the five-year average for companies that have missed on earnings. So all in all, um, a better-than-expected earnings season, although markets were more focused towards for guidance and had little reaction to positive surprises this time around.
0: And what about in Europe? Is that a similar picture?
3: Well, with regards to Europe, Q1 earnings season is definitely not as weak as expected. So the stock 600 year-on-year EPS growth is running at 7% in Q1, and this is above pre-season expectations. Consensus expects EPS growth to fade to minus 15% by the end of Q2 season, which would be the first negative growth rate since Q4 2020. So despite this return to negative earnings growth in Q2, the Q1 run rate is nevertheless better than the negative 7% expected at the start of the season for the companies that have reported so far. And this is translating into a median EPS surprise of 13%. Uh, consensus estimates have also been revised up by 4% since the start of the earnings season. And this is the sharpest in season upgrade since at least late 2021. Although, as mentioned before, market reaction was rather muted. If we look at European equity indices, these are basically flat since start of the season. Um, a quarter of companies mentioned weakening demand during earning calls, uh, which is a historically elevated proportion. So we would expect negative EPS growth to materialize going forward, as weakening demand will weigh on the economic outlook. And we also know that the ECB is rather earlier in the cycle than the Fed, which suggests further tightening ahead. Although to note is that avoiding a possible recession might hide some positive surprises on markets as there's quite some negative sentiment already.
0: Great. Thanks very much, Leonardo, for the update. So that is all for today. Thank you again to my guests this morning and thank you all for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, please leave us a review on whichever platform you like to listen on. We would love to hear your feedback. And do join us again on Monday when Bernadette will be back talking to more of our colleagues about what is moving markets. Until then, though, happy Friday, everyone, and I wish you all a great weekend. Bye for now.
3: The information and
2: opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information.
1: For unsere deutschsprachigen Zuhörer. We would also like to make you aware of Marktanalysen und Gespräche. A monthly podcast in German where Julius Baer experts discuss some of the latest market developments. We share our key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape in German. Search for Marktanalysen und Gespräche on your favorite podcast player.